To me, my podcast listeners, welcome to another installment of the Dalma Vex Show, where we talk about the X-Men, of course, Marvel's mutants. Uh, the, you, you know what we're doing here. I'm your host, Dom Torres, as always, with uh, my awesome friend, my awesome co-host, Dylan Gray. How are you doing today, my guy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, uh, woke up early. Got to sit down and uh, read this awesome book and all of its awesomeness and remember how freaking awesome it is. Did I mention, Dom, that it's awesome? You did. You did really mention that that it was awesome. Like at least 25 times within the past two years, you've said it was awesome. And and I should have listened to you. You know what I also should have listened to you on? You made a very big shout out to a, a book last week where you told me to pick it up. Avengers Mech Strike. It's the one with all the weird robots, and I only got because I only had I only got two books last week. I got Marauders and Cable, which both came out, and spare money, spare change. Picked it up. I really, really enjoyed it, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really, really fun book." And I did, I had no idea that I enjoyed it that much, but it's a good recommendation. It'll come out in trade, but yeah, it is it is a fun first issue and. I also recommend that you guys, if you if you have a local comic store, go pick go pick that issue up, go enjoy it, go buy it. Avengers Mech Strike by Jed McKay. Yes, it's it's good. All right, so good, so good. But let's let's talk about an, another amazing Marvel book, Astonishing X Men issues seven through. 12 by the same wow uh, by the same creative team that we, we've been we've been discussing before whedon cassidy martin eliopolis on the letters you know you know what the deal is and let's just start with the man there's so many there's so many different ways we could we could go because there is a centralized uh plot right to this to all of this thread we have it's you know it's called dangerous for a reason and and you, you know what that a specific reason is i that's right i just adore i really adore how superheroic this whole entire arc is like there's some there's definitely some comics that try to st- like stow away from you know like try to variate or, or differentiate themselves from from the norm right we we think of some books that you know, like even though they're in the superhero genre, they might te- technically not be your standard formula, like good guys versus bad guys. But I really love that this run just deviates its stems from good guys punching bad guys, and that's and yeah, that's that's what we're here for, and and that's what I'm here for. We want to see our good guys win. We want to see the bad guys lose, and it's something that I pre- you know you, sometimes you don't need to go weird out and and different it like it's great to have a really good superhero story and when it clicks it's really good i agree i agree you know at its core it's it's got to have a lot of things and um banter is important whether it's banter between each other or just like them having inner monologues these these are type of things that are really important and right off the bat with this book they do that a monster comes to manhattan and the X-Men go out to fight it. And <laughs> there this is actually one of my favorite parts that I always talk about when I'm talking about this book. They're fighting this giant monster. 
And Colossus has just come back, and him and Kitty are kind of having issues, trying to figure out where they sit, where they stand, where they are as a as friends, as a couple, as just teammates, all of that stuff. And Psych- uh, Colossus is having some inner monologue about it, really deep stuff. Same with same with uh, Kitty, she's having some deep stuff, and then it cuts. Then it cuts to Wolverine, and Wolverine just says, "I really like beer." <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts because it's just like everyone's having all this deep philosophical stuff and and this is wolverine's philosophical philosophical stuff i like beer <laughs> it's really it's really really good but i i like the reset for colossus because it gives us a chance to figure out what the guy's been missing out like since since his death and since his return like is he is he troubled is he is he questioning his place on the team is it is it him trying to figure out what his place in the world is 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 he having any trouble with any of the other x-men i really just love the just the inner dialogue and how we were introduced to him at the school at literally at literally all of this and i i love the cut where it goes from from him in his quote-unquote human state to i can fly and then the next thing you know he's on the blackbird and he's on the top and he's just soaring through. I thought that was a really cool jump and it was just awesome to see Piotr just uh, it was a really good moment. Great a great double, you know. Let's just talk about from a uh technical side in the layouts, you know, double double page layout. You got him sitting on top of the blackbirds windsurfing as Wolverine says, and then you have the panels on the bottom that are move four or five panels I believe just moving the story along and it was just from a technical comic book creation creator aspect, it was just a well put together sequence, you know. Um and man, just John Cassidy just kicking ass just with every pinstroke just so good and i mean i could sit here and talk about laura martin for like we should have a just we know we should podcast exactly like just just go over her and make because no one ever showcases colorists and colorists are just as important as anyone else okay uh a whole a book could be made made or broken from a bad color job or from a color job coming to it you know, there has, I, I know for a fact, there are multiple comic book creators I know that had inks that they hated. They hated the way it looked, and then they got a colorist to come in and literally fix it, and it changed the whole tone of everything, and it made them happy. And that that's somehow, sometimes how it happens, you know? And so, yeah. yes, praise be to Laura Martin, please and thank you. And it's crazy, too, because, in my opinion, there is no one better in this industry than her. You and I'm thinking of stuff from even as recent as the Wonder Woman rebirth stuff from Rucka. You look at Martin's shading, her lighting, the blues in the sky, the the beauty in the air, the trees whistling off, like all of the different shades of green and brown on the leaves, and how how every single shadow gets illuminated or stuff like the lighting is perfect i literally have nothing else to say except for the fact that when i look at all of these characters whether they're in the they're in the ship they're fighting there's this huge green monster and they're they're fighting that it's 
it's insane to me how great her color theory is, her grasp of it. Like, I have a colorblind friend online, and he he loves Laura Mar. And it's crazy to me how, like, she can touch so many waves just by illuminating and beautifying Cassidy's art just by her coloring alone. It is amazing. Like, I, I have, yeah, I have no other words besides that. Definitely, definitely. When it tone matters, and in comic books, we can't hear the tone of their voice. You know what I'm saying? We can't hear any kind of background music. So basically, colors is what really sets the tone of everything, and can really make make a make a scene more happy, make a scene more sad, make a scene more violent, make a scene more everything. And it's so important to have a solid colorist. And there is no one more solid, I think, than 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 Laura Martin stuff. Like she get like the freaking tone of everyone's blood, like how she gets all the reds and all of that just in. I can look at it and say, like, that's that's gorgeous, that's beautiful. She she gets the 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 the, the sun reflecting off of Wolverine's claws in a way that I don't think any other colorist can. Like I really don't like. There's this what there's this one panel where Wolverine is fighting this guy in Manhattan. He has his claw sheeted out, right? Just like he's about to puncture it, and it has like the reflective uh, sunlight beaming off of his claws. And I'm like, I've I've never like seen it as striking, except for like in this book and how she does it. Like like it's, that that part to me is insane. The fact that like she's putting in like all the work to 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 again to give Cassidy's art life and make it in a way where you actually feel like you're part of there. Um like I I'm just amazed by it. Like every single time I open this book, I always try to see what did she do in this part of the book that made it more beautiful because of the colors. It's amazing. It really is. Definitely, definitely. And you know what else is amazing, Dominic? All the content creators that are also on the Grand Geek Gathering. I wonder what they're up to this week. It's a great question. Well, guys, we'll be right back after I give you some messages about all of our amazing folks there at the Grand Geekery. To my podcast listeners, the Grand Geekery is the best show for all news on pop culture, as well as a diversified variety of segments, conventions, and everything nerdy. Hosted by our very own Tyler McPhail and with Lamar Harris, the show runs twice a month and is available on all platforms. Please go ahead and check it out at the Grand Geek Gathering or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Alright guys, welcome back to... The second part of this amazing or astonishing installment of the Dom of X show. I, I, amazing, amazing X-Men. I'm pretty sure that was, that's, that's been a book that's out. I, I don't know if that's actually a thing. There's extreme, I know there's extreme X-Men, uncanny, astonishing. There might've been astounding. I feel like there was an astounding at some point, or I might just be gaslighting myself on that. I don't know. IDK. I think... 
Man, who is a you said I saw you talking earlier, not to deviate away from the astonishing talk, but I saw you talking earlier with uh with one of our with one of our listeners and you said that you got gaslighted. And it's like how many times was that? I feel like that's happened like at least twice in the past couple. You know what? Before we before we all get into that, we need to discuss the origin of the word that i apparently created last week yes on stream one task yes. to figure out how the heck this all ties in with astonishing x-men and a, a bunch of other good books okay i think because i think it's important that if we'll one to make sure that we can get the word out there and two if this can get added in the dictionary somehow like i will be immortalized like a 2021 i made the word all of that, etc., etc. And so, one task you look at you look at how the word is formulated. There's tastic, right? Like we have fantastic, like with with, with the concept of like it's amazing. There's that and there, but one tastic to me is it's a word that means it's great, but it's it's. It only relates to this one certain instance of point. So what I'm talking about a book being one-tastic, I'm saying that there is a there is a distinct mark that that book has that just do, that every single other book doesn't. And so when I apply that word over to Astonishing X-Men Volume One, it's only applied to Astonishing X-Men Volume 1. So you won't hear me use one-tastic for every single circumstance because I like to apply things to... Uh, I want to apply that word to things that is only specificated for that. But this is what Astonishing X-Men is. It's one-tastic. It's, it's like your once-in-a-lifetime... Wow, like I'm amazed because this book is so great. And I think in, in terms of that aspect, you look at it and say, yeah, that's one-tastic. So there you go, guys. I hope I cleared that up because Dylan was like, I've never heard that word in my life before. And now you know where it is. Definitely. And it's good. It's good. You know what? The word itself is one-tastic, you know? Exactly. Now, let's let's get back because we got on a weird deviant. Let's get back into the story. Let's, let's delve into the astonishing X-Men uh, vol- like, like, let's dig deeper. Let's dig deeper into into the lines and into what is actually happening in this book. And there is a lot going on in this book. So while we have Kitty and and Colossus questioning themselves about what the heck's going on, we even you know what's cool about this too. We even have an F four appears. We have we have we have Ben. We have Reed, and we have Sue happening on the, like getting on the seed and and i always enjoy cameos i i really do like i think it's cool whenever a team guest stars shows up or just has like a spot and, and we talked about this in in the mark millar wolverine book it's, it's the same here i always i always enjoy a good cameo and i love marvel's first family they're awesome they're cute uh and when they're talking with psych hey like it, i i really enjoyed it yeah, no. <clears throat> you know, the Fantastic Four, I love it when they show up, and it made me think about the X-4 book that we read and how much they were fighting 
and arguing later, but there's a lot of like respect in this book about them, even though the thing was kind of being like, hey, why you want our turf, you know? And he's like, yo, maybe the, maybe the, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm so shook right now. I'm so freaking shook. I need to take, I need a five. I need a five. I need a five. Oh my God. Whew. Okay, here we go. I'm <clears> keeping <throat> this in by the, I'm, I'm joking. So, <laughs> don't, please cut this. This is, no, I do not want this in here. I will, I will drive to Brentwood or, or Antioch, wherever you're at, and I will murder you. All right, here Whoa. we go. Put that in there. Um... <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Alright, um... Oh my god. I can't even. I can't even with y'all. I can't even with y'all. Oh my god. Alright, here we go. Here we go. So, you know, it, it seemed... It seemed as though the Fantastic Four didn't really want them there. The thing made it very clear that, like, Manhattan and fighting giant monsters is their shtick. But, you know, Cyclops is like, we're just trying to help. And Susan Storm's like, well, you know, I also wouldn't hurt you to have you guys on the news helping the Fantastic Four. And he's like, you know, that's a plus maybe. <laughs> so it seemed like Cyclops was really kind of thinking of the big picture, thinking of marketing, thinking of PR, thinking of all the stuff that really superhero teams need to have, especially. Oh, no. One second, guys. Sorry. Sorry. God, I'm getting a phone call right now, and it messed everything up. Where the where the heck was I? All right. You were talking about how Cyclops was um, doing PR stuff and all that. Right. Okay. Um, shit, this whole, this whole section is fucked. All right. Damn okay. it. It's okay. Uh, all right. All right. So, and it, it really... It really kind of showed that Cyclops is really leading the team in the right direction. And it shows that this is a different side that we've seen. It's not just about, like, the Boy Scout doing what's right. He's looking at everything and, like, not just doing what's right, but doing what's best for the team and how they can move forward as a superhero team and get the respect that they deserve. I agree. I agree. And it's, I think it's important, too, to look at, look at all this. I really love the thing wolverine interaction i love how ben was like i <laughs> didn't they come up with a cure for your kind and because wolverine was like okay ben what we helped you why aren't you more grateful and logan's just like you got a thing with you got a problem with us you got a problem with mutants and he's like no i have a problem with canadians that <laughs> That actually got a decent laughter out of me. As I thought Ben was going to, like, we... I thought at that moment Ben was going to be like, you know, I hate mutants, which I don't think he would. Like, if you look at the guy, you could pa I think you could see and pass him as a possible... Like, he could have an extra. He doesn't, but it's a possible thing. Um, but anyways, like, there, there are a lot of really good interaction between both of these groups. It's always interesting to see good guys and other good guys team up and... Fantastic Four are awesome. Like I, I always hearken it back to Mike when I when I think of the Fantastic Four, but uh it's it's always fun to see them in a comic. It, it really is, no matter no matter which one. Like they're fun and I love them. 
Definitely, definitely. And it, it kind of was, it, it kind of reminded me of their interaction with them in X4 too, later on during the Hickman run. And I wonder if there was, you know, like, didn't seem like there was a lot of animosity, but things really got a, for someone that, like you said, looks like a mutant, he really has a stick up his butt when it comes to freaking the mutants. Like, he just feels all, I don't know. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Did he feel like he was a sh- he's being kind of like a like a sh- like a jerk to these guys? I don't know. I don't know. Ben I mean, that Grimm is, is his jerk. style. Yeah, that's canon. He's a jerk. <laughs> it's a, you know what? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a lot of there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there, and it'd be fun to see them walking around doing stuff with the X Men again. I also really find the the Abigail Brand stuff interesting, and I lo- I know you love her uh, because you know, she's it's weird like she's uh, like on brand. She's gonna be yeah, she's there. She's all that, and she's over here. She's she's doing a whole bunch of stuff on the side, right? Because Sword, weird part off from Shield, secret organization. You guys you guys know the deal with all of this this side stuff and and underground government agencies and, and all that yes. and whatnot and so you have her or I, I wouldn't say uh, actually i wouldn't call sword underground i would actually call it outer outer uh, above way above ground outer space outer space <laughs> so so that's so that's even more interesting so instead of them doing stuff beneath you they're above you they, they see everything abigail sees everything all the peeps up there see everything and it it just it's it's just like that you got you got this whole big station in space, and she's she's got her she's got her own deal with our previous enemy from the from the last arc, uh, the the Ord Man, the man of Breaker World or whatever the heck you want to call it. Like Breaker World, still weirdly upsets me as as a word, but it's but she's up to it is weird, right? Yeah. Do we ever find out? Do we ever find out if it was if this was a um, Whedon creation, the break world, or it's a, no, it's all Whedon. It's an, it's so, a, it's a Whedon creation. It's not anything so weird, such a weird name. Like if it came out, out in the eighties or the seventies, even like, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But like two early two thousands break world. Like you couldn't really, yeah, really mm-hmm. like call it something like from from you know, that would make more sense as than break world. Right. It absolutely would make a lot more sense. And, in that area, in that aspect, but I still, you know, he's and they're and they're doing stuff. You know that you know what those typical guys are up to, and they have an interesting conversation where Abigail's just like, yeah, you know, I know you fought with the X Men, and I know you think they went through all that, and yeah, we just we just figure out more about her character. Like we we find out that Abigail is much more of. Like on when you when you talk about her character being on brand, you're talking about the special agent being very hard, rough up your nose. She's all business. She very much is that type of sassy. She's de- she's definitely that type of sassy personality, I would say, and that I think d- explains you know what 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 she is as a as a character and. I think it's cool for her to have that distinct personality. It's like it's those it's those agents who want nothing to do but I'm just here for business. I'm here to do my thing, and that's that. We don't even need to sugarcoat anything. And that's actually something I appreciate about her character uh, compared to others. 
definitely like she like she has a a real fury vibe you know what i mean but like even shadier like i don't know right am i wrong oh even even so even so and it's it's definitely that vibe that 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 you get when you're introduced to this new person or this person that you was vaguely introduced and you don't know much about her but i just like the tidbits in there where you get to see what the tone of her and what her mission actually is you get to see that in her interactions uh with with the greater court with uh with the prisoner card with all these different guys and I, again, it's cool that you get to see bits of it fleshed out, and you don't really need her full in the spotlight because she's not the central part of the story. But it's good to get a ba- ba- bigger base and a better base to actually understand what she's there for and and what she's doing here in the first place. Definitely, definitely. And she has that whole speech. She's like, "I will sacrifice anyone I can to protect this planet. That's what I'm willing to do. I'm doing the hardest job more than anything. I got to stop." people with way better technology to coming to earth and i gotta respect that i gotta respect you gotta respect her you gotta respect the things that she does because you know the means just the what's it called the means justify the what's the ends justify the means that's the one the ends justify the means is, is like that's probably tattooed on her somewhere like you know what i'm saying and 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 she but unlike other kind of people that I've seen in comics and movies and in real life, I think that she has a way better grasp about ends and means. You know what I'm saying? She she could have just had, like, let the dude come in and literally slaughter all the mutants on the planet. He didn't. She worked with him to to basically neuter them, which, you know, is not great and it's terrible, but, you know, it's better than everyone losing their lives, right? It definitely is better than everyone losing their lives because we don't want that. We don't want any more lives to be lost. But we have another section of this podcast where we actually do talk about possible lives being lost. But before that, I want you to head over to Grand Geek Gathering. I got some stuff up there for you. We'll take a quick short break. I'm going to talk about the more, the, the merrier, all of that. We'll be right back after these subliminal messages. In a world where all the largest pop figures in life are superheroes with capes, how about all the creators and characters who don't feel the spotlight as large as the others? What if I told you that there was an awesome podcast dedicated to the best creator-owned comics out there. Guys, Indie Comics is a show specified for all your indie comics needs. Self-publishers, branched-off creators, and small company powerhouses all come into play with them. Please go check out their show on the Grand Geek Gathering and all podcast platforms. That is, again, Indie Comics. Welcome back, everybody, to the greater, bigger part of the Dom of X, because we still have not talked about the central plot yet. There's so much we still got to get to, and I'm really excited for it. Right, let's just let's just delve into it. This plot is central with one new Joss Whedon creation that you've been up in my head for for the last mm. X amount of Forever. months. And I at love least since it. We ha- well, at least since we covered X Factor, all new X Factor, I was I was definitely in your head about that. You you were, and you were impediment about how this this character and this co- this crazy concept was 
really, really just off the wild, bonkers, amazing, astonishing. We can we can go down the list of adjectives to to for you like in description. And I I I know you're hyped. I know you're hyped to talk about all of this stuff that has happened. I am. So let's and, just jump into it. Let's just jump into it. She is a freaking mutant AI system that is so freaking cool. Whedon, that is freaking next level thinking. Okay, she can be an X Men because she's a mutant, like and 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 a, a AI mutant that like. E- evolved literally evolved from nothing became self-aware and was able to use crazy crazy techno uh space technology to make hard light um to make hard light um to make hard light projections and uh not only that but like raise robots from the dead, put her consciousness into other machines. Like there's so much there. She's so freaking powerful. It's it's unbelievable. But at the same time, it's not like too OP, right? Does that make sense? Oh no, like it's crazy because she does as as all bad guys do, they all get defeated, they all get pushed out in the end. But regardless, I really, really love the introduction to her and how everything builds up because it's all subtle until you get to that point. And when you get to that point, you can't help but just be blown away by how insane this concept is. I really, because I loved it when we we cut in Zoom to, it was in issue seven where we where we cut in Zoom to, you know, what's, what's, what's happening inside the, the uh, X-Mansion as the, as the X-Men are, are fighting off this, it's the, you know, the, the Manhattan peeps and, and all that. And you think like, you, and then we cut to another part where you think you're back at the, you, you think you're back outside the mansion with Peter. You think it's, you, you know, it's someone else, but they're, they're on the ground. They're lying. It seems like they're dead. And then you cut cold to a room and then you see the danger room on the top, right? It's really good buildup. And I am, am, and it's just great, great wordless storytelling from, from Cassidy and, and how he, he just gets the expressions and the, just the buildup right. It's, it's amazing. I agree. I agree. Just, just, this is from someone that's obviously written a lot of movies, a lot of TV, and he just knows how to build the suspense and doing it in comic books is even, I think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say easier isn't the right word, but it's it's a lot. Building suspense in comic books can really be good because you guys set the page turners. If you're not aware of what a page turner is, it's you're reading a thing and then when you turn the page, something crazy happens, you know. And th- that is the one of the hardest things to pull off. It's one of the to pull off correctly, I think, because you got to make you got to line up your entire book that way to make sure that you turn that the page turn is at the right spot. You got to make sure that it's on the opposite page and you got a million things that are going against you on that editors ads um just basic production stuff so when it's pulled off correctly it's one of the most beautiful things in comics and whedon understands it better than most i think i completely agree like i really love that part in in issue eight literally the next parts where emma is talking with you know her her clone children the cuckoos and all of a sudden we get a small click and she gets unconscious and she's falling down. And we're like, what the heck is happening? You have the, and then you have the, the danger room all electrified 
and and we literally just do not know what is happening like we got a whole bunch of other people here and then we got the sentinel rising up from the underground and and just you know demolishing every everything and everyone in its path we don't know what's happening and once you get to that reveal at the end where we find out it's like the danger room is alive it's big it's here you can't help but just applaud how oh my gosh like this thing was living in the expansion for a number of years while xavier was training up you know building his school and all that it's it's insane like the all of it is insane and how how well the entire crew pulled this off definitely definitely it was um it was a team effort to say the least and they all just worked together uh, it's hard to say like what my favorite comic book creator team is because there's so many unbelievably talented people but these three together working together is definitely top five this it might even be top three you know what? i'll say it right now they are top three i can't give you a number which one or anything but they are definitely top three for me i completely agree yeah you know i can i can i can respect that I can respect that. I also love how Katie is is helping along out with stuff at the mansion. Like she is, she's over here. She's doing stuff with you know, as Psych and and Wolverine and, and Colossus are doing the big heavy lifting. She's with the children, and she sees this seemingly dead mutant in at the hands, and she's trying to investigate and figure out what's going on. And I really love how she's in this like protective role where she she gets that need and sense of responsibility that i i there's something wrong here i need to go protect all of my mutant pupils and and peers and all of us i i i really appreciate it adore that uh character uh like just that part about her where she wants to do the right thing and that's why i always loved her from the start because again like if you look at all of the the boy scouts and girl scouts among the X-Men. She's she's up there. Like if she's not up there, up there, like I, I don't know what up there is. And it's awesome. Definitely, definitely. What did you think of speaking of reveals and stuff, what did you think about yeah, our boy Xavier popping up? Were you what? ready for that? Can I say there there is the there is the cover of it's just Cassidy. I don't think Laura Martin did the call because I didn't see her signature on it. And I was like, this bald man who hasn't appeared for the last nine issues, and I thought he would because if we're gonna go to a seemingly back to basics X Men run, like why wouldn't you, right? Like, okay, the professor's there, he's leading the team, or he's in, he's been behind, or or talking with a whole bunch of other people, or making sure everything's all right. And I'm like, okay. Is it going to come back and, and help everyone? Is it going to come back and and uh, do something against the team? Is it, What's his purpose here for? I didn't really expect <laughs> that, that big of an instance, but holy crap. I really love Xavier in this entire arc because it, it really reminds me of how dubious and knowledgeable... This this old man is that all of his techniques and all of his jobs, wouldn't you say? He's dubious. Is yeah. He he's definitely you know he gets a lot of um, clout because of his philosophies. But like 
the stuff he's done, especially in this era of X-Men, was just so shitty, you know? And I'm, I'm really glad that he wasn't, like, in charge of the team or even at the X-Mansion with the students. And lo and behold, even throughout this whole thing, like, it's just, like, what are you up to? Like, he just seems so shady. There's always something going on with him in this era. Like, he's always plotting. He's always doing something, you know? There is... If I've learned anything about him, and he is one of the smartest people, I think we can both agree on, like in the in the Marvel universe, not just the X Men mythos, but in the Marvel universe alone, this man, his knowledge seeps out other worlds, other people in in more ways than one, and you think that. It's it's crazy because I think if you if you look at it, you know he's he's always been one of yeah we need to coexist we need to make sure that everyone like all humans and all mutants you know we can agree on with each other and there might be bad guys but at the end of the day we just want to help you people the stuff that this man has done I think over the years over the decades there's been a lot of questions there you can argue all you want about his philosophy and how that's changed and differed over the years but. Some of the stuff that this man has done has, uh, it, it gets you, it, it makes you question him. It makes you question if his, his words carry the same weight as his actions. And no, if we're, if we're going to go talk about the full history of Xavier, um, yes, he, he's definitely done more good than bad and has definitely done, uh, just across the board, but this version, no, he's, he's, he, he, he doesn't do the right stuff, he, he made a bunch of bad decisions, he's constantly cleaning up messes that he's made for himself, it's just, it's just not what a dude does, I don't know, I don't know what to say, like, this is not my favorite Xavier at all, uh, not even close, so, um, seeing him kind of being taken down a peg by the whole team, and almost dying, uh, really was pretty awesome, you know? You know what was also awesome? I really love that conversation. I really love that conversation that he had with Danger because he, he did create the Danger, right? The simulation that forces all, you know, the X-Men to train, to fight, to get better. Having it be a sentient, weird, robotic being. But not only that, the fact that these two essentially felt like they had a cup of tea. They drank it. They, they, you know, they, they had a, they had, it seemed like it was a quick, I don't know what they call Like there's something, I know that the British people have something equivalent. Like what do they call Do they call those tea breaks? Do they call those, what do they call those things? Tea time. Tea, tea time? time? Tea time. I really yeah. like the tea time between the both of them. I think it's really interesting just to seep out how much these, these two actually know like you look at you look at Xavier's face and he's like I have no interest in impressing you and we you know what we're just here let's chat where is the limit to both of, where where is the limit to both of our minds or like where is the limit between the both of us like what can we reach to and to me it's really interesting to see how how freakishly interesting this this danger character actually is. Because she's more layered than like I thought she was. I thought like, you know, going in, it was just gonna be like, wow, this is the twist. It's like it's like the Krakoa twist in I guess Hickman X-Men where you find out that 
not only is this island like living, but it's breathing. It, you know, it, it can house people and all that. There's more than it meets loves. the eye to danger, right? Exactly. <laughs> there's uh, there's more than meets the eye to to danger than we all. And I like that she's a fleshed out character. I like that she's not just there to you know destroy and to <laughs> to kill to to just live and to waste upon. No, she's. She's deeper than that, and you get to see it in that in the tea time that she has with, with Professor X. Yes, yeah, and <laughs> she even calls him out on him on his bullshit. She's like, "You were in the mine, and you're still like sitting there in a wheelchair. Like you should be able to walk in here. You have full control over this." He's like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's about my limitations. Look at you, you're transcended humanity, and." You're freaking still have a human form, you know? He's like, well, you know, we're all of our comfort zone. <laughs> Essentially is what she said. <laughs> it's really good stuff. And it is... It's just flat out... I mean, can we also talk about the the fight scenes between the X-Men and Danger? Because I think that's another thing to highlight here. Because we, need, because we figure out more about how this team works compared to different incarnations of the X-Men. Like... Danger, because we, we both know that Danger is, again, this, this robot who knows different things about the X-Men. He, he, she knows all the ins and outs, the, the weaknesses, who everyone is, what they can do. Like, there's this one splash page where she's fighting the X-Men, and all of their information pops up on the side. Like, I have no idea if... I, I think that was probably a thing from Chris Eliopoulos, the letterer, who added that in. Really good perspective, let me just say that. And so you see, like, wow, like, this is how you beat Emma. This is how you beat Cyclops. This is how you beat the Wolverine. This is how you beat Shadowcat. And et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's really cool that she has all of these deviant plans up. And she she knows how to combat and fight. It's it's like it's like fighting Gorg. It's like Wolverine fighting Gorgon. Like, Gorgon knows your steps before they can be enacted. I think it's the same way in this book. I think it's the same way with danger. Danger knows exactly what you're going to do before it happens. So you, to, in order to beat her, in order to figure out your way and and around her, you need to figure out something out of the toolbox or outside of it, I should say, and use that to your advantage. And I think that's really good. Right? It, it's really good writing, and it's it's really good to see how the team can improvise and not just do the same. We beat a guy to. Obli- uh, oblivion and that's how we win yeah no uh we, they have to do things that they didn't do and so as soon as kitty says that colossus just without even skipping a beat grabs emma frost and just tosses her which was great at, at freaking danger i love that and I she love turns that. into diamond and slam and he's like hey i wouldn't have done that before <laughs> i would have she deserves to get tossed around are you kidding me i didn't know why he didn't do that in the first place like he should have that. That's what they should have done. All right, Emma Frost for all of the terrible things she's done deserves to get thrown around and slucked around. I don't care if she, she's an X Man. It's just, it's just, it just is what it is. All right, and and that was it was a really good moment. But I I I know that I I'm not a fan of her. So every time I see stuff like that happen, I I always enjoy. It. I I know you don't, but I do. So I got my fill out of that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um. But what are you gonna do, right? What 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 are you gonna do? Um, still great. I mean, where where do we start with 
just everything. I I have to say, hands down, this entire 24-issue run is my favorite Colossus content. I think there hasn't been anything better before or after this. I think it is pinnacle. I think Whedon understood uh, Colossus and Kitty's relationship better than any other writer. Um, and it seems like he, like, was planning this story, like, from his childhood. Like, that's how it feels. Like, it feels like he, it was so well-developed and so thought through that, like, it wasn't just like, hey, we want you to pitch a story. He's like, no, I got this huge story I've been working on for years. So, we, let's sit down and do it, kind of thing. I don't know. What, did you get that vibe, too? Because you can kind of tell sometimes, like, oh, this was, like, a quick idea that they threw in there. No, this was something that was very well-developed. You know, you can, you can kind of see that. Did you get that feeling too? There is a there is a level of understanding I think that that Joss gets with Piotr Rasputin that I don't um I don't think anyone's matched before or after. You look at Claremont X Men, and Colossus was pretty much your just like your Russian dude who was strong, had a fu- had a couple of fun moments. But that was it. He wasn't anyone deep would deeply sensitized with. Uh, anything in the past he didn't he didn't have that you know like he was yeah he was made in russia but he was just a fun he was just a fun big block that you could just toss around you know that was and that was it and but you look at this stuff you look at colossus in this book and how he is trying to grapple with his past how he's dealing with his apparent return and resurrection reacquainting himself with with logan and Scott, and and Kitty, it's really really deep stuff that I I wish that other writers would get to. Like if a, if a character came back or came around and wasn't didn't have that much to him before, add to him, make him layered, make him more awesome, make him make her make him or her or them or whatever, make them feel more deep. And that's exactly what Colossus is in this book. Like he's not just the Russian guy who just tosses around, oh, like, I'm here to have fun, ha-ha, <laughs> yeah, da 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 Like, that's not him. Like, this is a Colossus no. that I understand, that I can I can relate to, that I I know that, wow, this guy, this guy's really cool. And it's not just him punching. Yeah. It's it's so awesome. Like, it's crazy insane how and he's he... he's been through something. They put him through stuff. They put him through stuff having to deal with being a lab rat and stuff like that, which is something that... Honestly, Wolverine will be able to help him work through, you know, because he's been through that, uh, and which I think is a really awesome kind of thing because that can kind of really build the bond and the friendship between Wolverine and Colossus, you know. I think the best part too, yeah, and 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 again, like relationships are always at the core of of our of our stories. How how two people like if they are centralized through this run, it's always about how characters. Form and bondage, and I, and I can even point it to a book like Hellions, where there's a whole bunch of D-listers, but there's a whole bunch of relationships going on in that book, right? It's, 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 I think it's the same in this sense with Colossus and his relationship with uh, with Kitty Pride, because I I think that's how you do how like the best stuff with character isn't just by themselves. If you figure out more about that character when you put them next to someone who's different. Who has a who has a differentiating personality or what may not, and these two and Kitty understanding what 
what Piotr is going through and how she's getting him back to a point. It's what makes this arc and, and specifically this whole book for me. It's when when we saw in that first arc where he got where he comes back and Kitty's like, I I buried your ashes in Russia. I saw you die. Uh, going from that to like them, them two figuring out what their relationship is on this on this new team and with him back, it's really beautiful stuff. And I wish that that writers, a lot more of them, could figure out that relationships are really important in comics to understand what two or three guys are are feeling at. And and that's why I love Piotr and Kitty. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's definitely the best ship in the Marvel Universe. I, I don't care what anyone says. I've always really liked them. He's a solid piece of metal. She can go through anything. It's it's back to the whole completion yin-yang kind of situation like with Emma and Scott, for No, instance. stop. There's a difference um, between that. No, those are two completely... Don't you dare. Guys. Don't yeah, you dare try dumb. to... Yes. Mm. I have to say, though, in his costume, the the thing about his... Co- Colossus's... Or Colossus's... Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Colossus's costume... <laughs> Is they still cut out the armpits. And I got to really appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't look very comfortable, but it makes the most sense. Because then we get to see the metal on the sides. You know what I mean? And you also get to see the, the, the those big guns. Those big Russian, those big Ruski guns. Like, I, I, I like that. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's In big. Soviet Russia, Colossus... Punch you? No, that was stupid. We're. Uh, I hope Dom's gonna cut that out. He won't though. You guys are gonna hear that. You know. You know. Joke. I won't. Yeah. You know. I won't. <laughs> but I was. Yeah. And it's so. It's. Uh, they're just so cute. It's so heartwarming. You get to see what these two are going through, and uh, and what they. What they go into later in the book, in the series, oh my god. I'm, like, you guys, I'm really excited to talk about that. We can't say anything right now because we're still on, we're still on this podcast covering these six issues. Was it, wait, so here's, here's my question for you. At the end, or near end of issue 11, where these two are just talking and they're reminiscing about stuff, Piotr was like, Scott said 10 minutes, we should be ready, and to be clear, Katya, you are not crowding me nearly enough. Was that a sexual innuendo, or was that just like a try to get of him so like they could get closer? Yeah, no, okay. Head out the gutter, this was, he wants her to be more around him. Like, she's giving him space because that's what he, she thinks he needs, but he wants the opposite. He wants her around him all the time. That's the thing. Like... He want he he might want to be distanced from everybody else, but he the Kitty is the last one that he wants away from him. That's what my takeaway from that was because he's going through some stuff. He's he's trying to find he he's resurrected. He he didn't know if he was alive or dead for decades or de- for years, not decades for years, and he didn't know what was happening out there. But he he's he's trying to find his bearings, trying to find what's real or what what's still the same what's new all that kind of stuff but the thing he appreciates the most is that kitty hasn't changed at all and he she's still the person that he fell in love with it's really good stuff i agree and in terms of all of this it's it's more or so like i don't know i find it just really cute that like when when you're going through stuff in real life 
and you feel closed off and you don't know who to trust. There's always, I think, in, in terms of gravitating uh, towards all this, like, I, I love it when there's, like, one or two people that you can go to and say, you know what, no matter what happens, I know that I can, I can trust you, I can confide in you, I can put, I can give you a piece of myself and you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna taint it, you're not gonna crush it, you're not going to just throw it away just for the namesake because I know that you care about me. I think that in that in that specific situation right. where Piotr is again he's he is not mentally well he's he's still you know out and about I really like that he has that one person that he can go to and say yeah I I like I know that you're going to be there for me Kat. and 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 it's it's just really cute and really comforting to see a relationship bond like these bonds grow because yeah, you get that one person. Like, it's cool for one person to have another where they can just go in and say, like, I trust you. I I know that, you know, I don't I don't want you to run away because that's the last thing I need from you right now. I think it's really cute. I think it's really comforting. And it is just a really well done scene again. Like, it's it's good. It's well thought out. And it's awesome. That's all I got to say. Like, it's it's uh, it's serene for for lack of a better yeah. word. That that's the perfect word for it. Um, every all the all the touching moments in this is just it hits home so well. And he, we did a really good job of of doing that. He, <laughs> whether or not you know he's kind of going through the some canceling situation right now, but whether or not he understands, pe- he understands relationships. He understands what makes a people tick. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. Because it, it totally, I, it, it reads through this. Like, this is how these people would act in this situation. With their past, with their future, with their present, you know? And it just, it speaks to his, his high level of, of writing skill. It's it's a, it's, a, it's insane. And you, you get to see just like, again, like the, the, the weird, um, I guess you could say fallout of just how, just how all this is and and in and just everything uh there's there's a couple more like conversations to be had like when the professor gets saved you know by everyone else by by you know like how they defeat danger and and all of this and Piotr is over here cuz he's you know he's been he's been gone for years he's this is the first time he's seen the professor in a long while and he's just like you knew about the like you knew about all of this stuff and what happened and it's it's like those old wounds that oddly never heal or like those questions that never get answered because something else has happened. And and I really like the the confrontations that Xavier had with the X-Men. It's it's really cool. Yeah. They they definitely weren't taking his shit, if you notice that. <laughs> like they were just like, whatever, dude, get out of here. But that's not even the biggest reveal. Out of all the things, what was the biggest reveal to you? Was on the last page of the of issue twelve, which really made you probably go, "I knew it! I knew it! I just know it! I could feel you just sitting there looking at that page, like, ha! I knew it." Good old Marauders, super villain, and longtime ex villain. Mr. Sebastian Shaw just had to make 
And, if it, and it's not like I didn't see it coming. Because you could tell, I think, with the ominous tone and how everything works. And if there's there's anything I've learned in any single comic book, old wounds never heal. The same old wounds that Emma Frost has been, you know, a part of for essentially her whole life. With And we got Cassandra Nova 2 from Morrison's X-Run. I, I was like, yeah, this is... This is obviously going to be the next step. Like, no, duh. And and right. what a reveal. Really good page. I love the Sebastian shot. It's really good. That was a really good, that was I a really good forgot. I honestly forgot about it, if I'm telling you the truth. Like, you know, she's constantly, all 12 of these issues here, she's been talking to somebody in the shadows the whole freaking time. Even Danger says, you're going to turn to, you're going to take your diamond form down, and I'm going to take you down because I know the truth. And I was like, oh, shit. But I, I remember she was working with someone, but I couldn't remember it. But I should have, I should have known. It's all, it's the Hellfire Club. It's always going to be those people. You know, they're the ones that made her who she was. Like regardless, that's that's the truth. You know, whether good or bad, she became the White Queen for a reason, and it was because of the Hellfire Club. And my man, like I, this still reminds me, yeah, Sebastian Shaw's, his costume sucks, dude. I hate it so much. I just want to knock so whatever seventeenth, sixteenth century lifestyle Victorian pompous Brock. Like I Or like Victorian, alright? It's so whack. It is. Like, dude, we're in the twenty first century. Update your costume. You can wear it. like I can imagine Sebastian would look really, really good in a suit and tie. I really can't, like, I, like, I'm, I can get, I hearken back to the issue in X-Men number four where, uh, all the, all the, like, Xavier, Apocalypse, and Magneto go to the economic forum and they're all wearing those suits. Why can't he wear one of those? You know how great he'd look in leather? Like, leather and, and all that? Leather? What? You, so now wait, you want to put him in a leather suit? Wait, what you am mean, I saying? I mean, just a, just a, yeah. Why did I say a, leather? A bespoke soup. Give him a nice bespoke soup. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. I'm why like, am I, why am I saying leather? That's not very... A leather suit is not one-tastic, bro. Not even a little bit. No, it's not. It's not. But anything to get him out of that Vic, Vic boring wear, I, I'm all for it because it just looks so bad. But anyways, he we are we are going to be in for next for the next couple because like, we got one more episode of this guy's coming out. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we still need it. There's a lot of stuff we still need to talk about. Lockheed Appreciation Hour is incoming. We're going to be covering whatever the heck the Hellfire Club is up to and whatever Emma's got up her schemes. Because again, old wounds never heal. Uh, we still, and again, we still, there's still a lot more of this run to talk. But we will cover all of that in the next installment of this show with, of course, me and, and Dylan. And again, we want to thank our, our amazing folks over at the Grand Geek Gathering for just. Again, hosting the podcast, being awesome, being them, and all the other amazing creators and, and content that, that that is on that site is on our network. Go check them out. You guys, again, will not be disappointed by any any of their means. All, all, the amazing, all the amazing nerdy and geeky stuff is there. And again, Dylan, thank you. Again, as we get closer to our 30th episode, we got big plans for that. Um, again, it's always, yes. always fun for, um, for you to just join in and say hi and record this podcast with me. Oh, dude, I love it, and I'm I'm glad that we're covering my favorite uh, X Men run right now, uh, hands down. 
um, <laughs> when we, I remember when we, you made the list, like, we're going to need some time in between for to let the books come out after X of Swords. And I was like, the first one out of my mouth was Astonishing X-Men, like, right off the bat. It wasn't even a second thought, you know? But we have some, some pretty awesome things planned up on stuff we're going to cover, too. Um, and yeah, the 30th episode, wow, 28 we finished. Like, well, we're going to finish it in a few minutes here. But, wow, 28 episodes. It's it's uh, it's pretty thrilling, to say the least, Dom, to think that how far we've come uh, from our first podcast to now, you know? It's 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 really it's really cool. And I, I, I want to thank you for, like, you know, coming on, letting me come on here and bullshit with you weekly. Yeah, and it, it's, no, it's amazing. And, I, and there's no one else in the world to do it with, bud. You know that. And so, yeah, guys, literally, like, if you guys want to follow us or – or talk with us or, or any of that stuff go ahead and follow me at dom of x studio on twitter and instagram i'm always active i'm always here just say hi um and now again like with the week like the, with the change format because we want to inform you ahead of time instead of before time uh or on time because we want you guys to catch up on the reading with us and, and to, to actually know what we're talking about so so follow me on there and and and, and talk over uh you can follow dylan at mr dylan gray on every single platform, including where we're actually at on Levit, you can actually catch us on like literally on stream. Like, go say hi here. Uh, at Mr. It's at Mr. Dylan Gray. But anyways, so close to thirty, we can't wait to uh, unravel what's going to be happening. And again, it's me, it's Dom, it's Dylan, and from the Dom of X, we want to wish you uh, all the safety, all the amazing stuff. We'll catch you on the show the next time.